Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. My name is Sean and joining me to discuss the aftermath of the Belgian Grand Prix and Sprint Weekend is Coops. Hi Coops. Hello. How's it going? I am very well. You sound like you're in a very good mood. Yeah, finished work. I've got to go back tomorrow, but you know, I'm not working now. Well, it's better than to be upset about four weeks without Formula One. (laughs) I'm sure it will go past really quickly. I'm sure it will. We've also got Shanna. Hi Shanna. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Pretty Are good. you looking forward to the miserable month of no Formula One? You know what? I'm actually not too bothered. I thought I would be, but I'm actually not too. <laughs> I think I know where you're coming from on that one. And we also have Will. Hi, Will. How are you? Good evening. I'm good, thank you. Yeah. And how are you looking forward to the month? Are you are you delighted for maybe a break from Max Verstappen victories and the Dutch national anthem? It's always a, a nice break, but I wish that break would come during a race with a different winner. But <laughs> this month will do. I know the feeling. Well, we will get into all of the aftermath of the Belgian Grand Prix. But first, of course, we are Everything F1. You can check us out on all socials at any time you'd like. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called these days. You can find us at JoinEF1. You can also check out our website, everythingf1.com, for daily motorsport news and articles. Also, this show is, of course, sponsored by theraceworks.com, and we thank them, as always, for their continued support of everything we do here. Theraceworks.com is the perfect place to get all of your Formula One merch from your favorite teams and drivers. And don't forget to use our code EF1 at checkout for 10% off everything site-wide. Once again, that's theraceworks.com. Check out for 10% off. Use code EF1. We will leave a link in the show notes. Now then, the Belgian Grand Prix. Let's start and get it out of the way with the sprint because that was the most interesting part of the weekend, I think. And Will, I'll go to you first. Is this Was this maybe a redemption of the sprint format this weekend? It, it was one of those weekends where maybe the sprint could be a bit more enjoyable than the actual race. Mm. You know, if I think back to a few good sprint races, we had Brazil last year. That was a fantastic sprint race. And this year, it was also really good because... It actually, you know, I was I was I was worried Spa because of how long it was. It'd be a bit of a boring one mm. because there's so many there's, there's so few laps, but it actually turned out to be full of overtakes, full of battles, even some contact between some big names, Perez and Lewis. So yeah, it turned out to be an, a really exciting sprint race. Yeah, it was excellent. And it counts, but it doesn't count, but it counts. Oscar Piastri getting his technically first podium. In Formula One, Shanna, what did you make of his performance in the sprint? Because we'll get on to how the race went for him. Yeah, well, I didn't get the chance to actually watch any of the races live this weekend because I was at the Formula E. So I was watching a different type of racing, which was very sad when I found out the results because I accidentally decided to go on Instagram, not knowing the results. And all the first thing I saw was Oscar Piastri P2 and I went, okay. That's a happy I surprise. Wish, <laughs> yeah, it was a very happy surprise. I wish I'd watched it. But yeah, no, it was it was amazing. I mean, again, sprint races have just been good this year, I think. But mm. this one was obviously very much helped by the weather. So it brought some dramatics on, but very happy for it. I, I have to say, I completely agree. I was... I, I was I was watching live, but not 100% live. I was at a barbecue, so I was like trying to check my phone without being rude every five minutes. And obviously it was delayed for ever, it felt like, the start. But when we finally got going, I missed the start. And then I looked at my phone about two minutes later and there's Oscar Piastri in the lead. I'm like, ah, how'd that happen? <laughs> and then when I look back, Max had overtaken him, but I probably should have seen that one coming. Coops, what did you make of the sprint this weekend? Were you... Happy with Oscar getting up there. Gasly had a good run of it as well. Did you think maybe Max might falter at last in the rain? No, that's just wishful thinking. That's I know. Just, I'm trying to happen. be wishful. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, it was one of those when I was like, oh, go on, Matt, Piastri, please do it. But then you knew as soon as he got close to him, it was going to be what it is. Gasly, was it? They got sub? Gasly, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good for the team. We have everything that's going on in Alpine, and I'm sure that will be something we'll discuss later on. Mm-hmm. in a bit more depth. Uh, and look, McLaren have got themselves. <laughs> Ironically enough, Piastri getting second and Gasly third, we haven't gone at Alpine as part of what's going on, what's going on wrong with 
Alpine mm-hmm. because he's an Alpine driver that they thought they had a contract for but didn't have a contract for. And you know, the the guy is just doing what every rookie should do. He's keeping close to his faster teammate. He's putting a performance in when he needs to, and he's not really put a foot wrong. Mm. But yeah, in terms of the sprint race itself, yeah, it was a good one. I was the same because you had Baku, which was a sprint weekend, and it was crap. It was not a good weekend, and it was a long lap, and I'm like, oh, no. But actually, it worked out. But again, you know, weather and Mm. changeable conditions at Spa probably put that into it, and, you know, drivers being a wee bit out of position as well probably helped with that. It's just a part and parcel of Formula 1, I suppose. But yeah, it was good. It was enjoyable. It was. What did you make of the contact between Perez and Hamilton? Hamilton, you know... He got the penalty and it actually cost him something this time running into the side of a of a red bull. He lost a couple of positions after the checkered flag. Fair penalty, bit harsh, racing incident. Where do we stand on that? It was a racing incident and it was harsh. Okay, fair enough. Will, uh, would you agree with that? At at first look, I thought it was it was a bit harsh, but I mean I think it's the perfect example of a 50-50. It could have gone either way. Yep, I think I think so. I think I think an aspect of sort of danger in the wet came into it potentially in, in penalizing him. They claim that the fact that the car, you know, retired doesn't impact their decision. I say that is total bull. It absolutely does. Since the Verstappen incident in Silverstone, I think that definitely influences their decisions now. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, 50-50, I think is probably the fairest way of calling it. And we have another incident from the race, which we'll get onto now in a minute. But uh, one thing that was kind of a, a big talking point after all the previous drama in spa and we could have an entire podcast on should spa even still be a thing anymore they've moved it an entire month earlier in the year presumably to try and avoid exactly what happened which was rain and shannon i know you weren't watching but they delayed the the the, the start of the sprint by the best part of an hour maybe even an hour and a half yeah do you think they'd have been better to just it was the sprint race like just call it off the sprint was exciting enough in itself but it's such an unknown in Spa, and we did get some collisions and some accidents, and some things could have been a lot worse. Yeah, no, I, I'm Spa is a bit of a sore topic because I'm very much like I'm happy. Like if it has to be called off, it has to be called off. I'm very mm. much safety is, is first, and I get very annoyed when you see. I saw the comment straight on the sprint about five minutes after they had delayed it first, and it's people going, "Oh, F1 has wet tires for a reason." Come on, like it's not about if they can drive on it; it's whether they can see, and that's yeah, the spray. But in terms of it getting delayed, there was, because obviously in Australia, our timings are odd. I stayed up to watch Spa, I think it was two years ago. I believe in the race was supposed to start at about two or three, then it got delayed an hour and then another hour. And I think it was one more and then they eventually cancelled it. I just went, I just stayed up all night for it to get cancelled. So I think at one point, if they can get it running and it is completely safe, it's good because you know that there are people probably waiting for it to start. And mm. to me, the sprint was a lot like it was the best part of the weekend in terms of out of the two races for me anyway. So once I watched it back, so obviously I didn't have to wait for it, but it was, I think if they had canned it, you would have lost a very interesting race and Capiastri P2, which I definitely am very much happy for. So I, again, I'm whatever needs to be going ahead for safety, but if they're bringing in a, a month forward and it does help, I think it's something that they should have done a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. If it really is as simple as moving it because of the seasons, surely you could have figured that out. Now in the UK, it rains all the time, all year. So I guess you can, doesn't matter. Like at the Formula E, it got uh, postponed an hour and a half as well because of rain, even though it's supposed to be summer. But I don't know exactly how it is around Spa. But yeah, if this was this has been an issue for so long, has it been fixed earlier? Or has it been changed before? But hopefully this does something. It's just a little late to me. Yeah, I I think you're right. They've you know they've changed it to try and change to to try and get around the the wet. But interestingly, I have friends who have now been to three Belgian Grand Prix. Every single one of them has been absolutely chucking it down. The first one they were at, Sebastian Vettel t-boned. Jensen Button right in front of them if we all remember that that was good times the second one they were at really unfortunately it was 2021 which wasn't a race mm. which was cancelled and they were shoehorned out the door immediately they went back this year thinking they'd get better luck and they did they got a race and a sprint but they were very nervous the whole weekend that they just wasted their money again so again at, at a certain point you know you're going to start and top marks to all the fans who were there if any of you are listening fair play to you I was I was wet looking at you from the comfort of my sofa. Fair play. And 
you know, I suppose as long as they keep selling it out, they keep doing it. But I don't know how much longer they can risk one the danger of it and the rain. But uh, like I said, we could we could do an entire podcast just on the danger of should Spa even still be a thing anymore. But let us move on to the race itself. To absolutely nobody's surprise whatsoever, Max Verstappen won the race, followed up by his teammate eventually. Uh, and Charles Leclerc bagged himself another podium on an okay weekend for himself anyway, Ferrari. Coops, what did you make of Max coming through the field? Well, coming through the field, strolling through, nearly crashing into the barrier for fun, wanting to do a pit stop for fun. He's, he's on autopilot, isn't he? Yeah, he's just enjoying himself. Uh, I think it's still mathematically possible that he'll win the, Grom- he'll win the championship by round 16, which is Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. So, you know, that's like by what, how many races, so about seven or eight that we got with him being a champion, doing whatever he wants to do. You know, he's winning it. It's going to happen. He's enjoying himself. I think the most exciting part for Max was when he, when he had his tantrum where he's, uh, he's engineering Q, at the end of Q2 qualifying. and Q3. Yeah, the qualifying. Yeah, that was funny. And it's quite nice to see somebody bite back going, ah, Gary, give peace you. I think uh, GP is well used to it. He had to put up with whiny Seb back in the day as well, didn't he? <laughs> That's true. So yeah, I mean, I think I, I stumbled across a TikTok actually, and it was it was on on car footage of Verstappen. It was the final lap in Austria, and they he was told like watch the guys in front; they're all fighting for position. And he's like, yeah, I'm watching it. It's quite exciting. Pardon. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 in a Grand Prix. Uh, he's like, yeah, it's good fun. Nah, you're like, so no, it's just uh, I just. I think uh, Shanna saying how she's kind of not bothered about four weeks of Formula One, it's because there's not a championship fight. True. As much as there's actually stuff going on, I'm kind of the same. I will look forward to it coming back. We'll keep things going and ticking over here at everything F1. But, you know, in 2021, it was every weekend we were just, oh, it's going to happen. You know, and, you know, even during the four weeks, there was talk about all of that and this and that and they hit each other and this, this, Four weeks, it's just like, oh, okay. Mm. We've got Alpine to laugh at for four weeks, which we will do. <laughs> oh, oh, we I will. will. Oh, yeah. I will too. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, I suppose. But, yeah, with this, well, you've run out of words to describe Max Verstappen this year. Mm. 100%. And like you said, there, there's, there's not going to be much to talk about because even what we thought might be a bit of drama in silly season, silly season, it seems, is over. Nick DeVries was axed out. Yep. Danny Ricardo was brought in and Sergio Perez has sort of got his act together. I mean, well, what it's, did you make of Perez this weekend? You know, he qualified, where did he qualify? Qualified near the top, didn't he? Qualified third, obviously inherited what became second after Max's penalty, led the race and then was breeze passed by his teammate who looked like he was in another car completely five levels above what is the same car. But Perez sort of did what he had to do, didn't he? He was there to challenge from the front where Max couldn't, and they finished one two. Do you think that's enough to, you know, satiate Helmut Marco for a few more weeks? I mean, it's fine. He's doing fine. He's not doing anything exceptional as far as I can see. And, you know, it's Max is clearly, you know, in, in the best car and he's the best driver. Mm. Cause was it was like a 20, 22 seconds. 22.3 seconds, yeah. And I, th- I think Max led for 27 laps. So in those 27 laps, I think he was he was lapping over a second quicker than Perez. And he could have gone a damn sight quicker as well because he wanted to go and play around in the pits for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, Red Bull, there's, there's always been these rumours ever since, I mean, Ricardo back in 2018, that they've always favoured Max. They've always liked this, this idea of this young champion, just mm-hmm. like Vettel. And if Perez is going to be in P2 and Max can take that P1 every weekend. I think Red Bull won't mind that at all. Yeah, I have to say I agree. I think this weekend, after a couple of rough weekends where everyone was praising him, oh, he came through the field again. Coops, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago that you found the report from, was it Baku or, or something like that from the from the very, very start of the year in the race? It was, it was Australia. Australia. And we were, ta- we were talking all the way back in Australia of what a great recovery drive from Perez. And five months later, we were still saying what a great recovery drive from Perez. This time, at least, he didn't have to make a recovery drive. He made a drive from the start and he got the podium second place to Max, where he should, I suppose, always be from Helmut Marco's point of view. Anyway, moving on then to Ferrari. And I'll start with Carlos Sainz, Shanna, because 
He is very militantly in favour of that being a rookie error from Piastri. Piastri, to his credit, has been much more, first lap racing incident, he could have given me a bit more space. It is what it is. I personally am of a mind, first lap racing incident leaning towards Sainz's fault, but definitely no penalty worthy. What did you make of it? Who do you think would be assigned more blame or just pure 50-50 racing incident on lap one? Well, I'll try and take the bias out of this because otherwise I'm going to say Piastri is fine. But when I looked at it, I had to look at it a couple of times because it very much is all about where Lewis, I believe it was, on the other side of Carlos. And it was, okay, yeah, he's got another car on the other side, so he's kind of come in. But if once they showed kind of the top angle, you realise there was basically there was still a space between him and Lewis where if he had moved over... Oscar could have made it through. Mm. And it's at that point where it's like, yeah, definitely I'd say it's going to be a first lap incident. Just like looking at it, there wasn't heavy damage to each car. Yes, there was damage and it very much affected, but because it wasn't, you know, car destroying to the point where they couldn't continue, it wasn't the worst incident out there. So I think it could be very much a first lap. And I do think Carlos could have moved over a little bit. I think he very much was covering off Oscar and Mm -hmm. it just didn't work. Oscar didn't have time or just didn't back out and it just didn't work for either of their favors in the end. So I'm going to go with it's, it didn't need a penalty. It's a first lap, but I'm going to put a little bit more on Carlos there. I think he really didn't want to give up that place. And yes, okay, I get that, but it didn't really work for you in the end, did it? Yeah, I agree. And you're right. It was very much that overhead shot that showed that, yes, he swerved and locked up, actually, trying to avoid Hamilton. But he did it a little bit too aggressively. There was still plenty of space for three cars to get around there. So could he have given Oscar more room? Yes. Did he know Oscar was there? Arguably, no, he didn't because he was focused on not rear-ending Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Racing incident. But on the flip side of that, Carlos Sainz, on the other hand, had a pretty good race, did he not? Starting from pole, he's now, you know, failed to win nine pole positions in a row, which is... Tied with Valtteri Bottas for the most amount of poles without a championship. Two really awful records Charles has picked up this weekend. But for Ferrari going into the break, another podium for 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 Charles. How do you think he got on this weekend? Well, kept it on the track. Didn't get into too many incidences from what I could, from what I can remember. Anyway, it just wasn't too noteworthy, which is a good thing I'd say mm. for Ferrari. It was he pretty much did what he had to do. I don't think there was too much of a bad strategy calls or anything like that. He drove how he should he didn't make any mistakes mm. he didn't really have too much pressure anyway and he managed to finish ahead of Carlos in the main race believe yeah so I'd say it's a good weekend for Charles so if he needs basically a lot more of those because it wasn't very much like other cars were you know getting destroyed it wasn't Max or Perez at the back he was up there with them and he did what he had to do finish where you'd probably want the Ferraris to finish these days yes mm. it wasn't where did he finish was it it was he finished third in the yeah, was third. race yeah, so, and fifth in the sprint. Yeah, so I'd say that's exactly where you would be hoping for them to be. And these days, sometimes thinking of Ferrari being in third is like, okay, I expected them at the start of the season to be third, but nowadays it's hopeful for a third. So I'd say good good for Charles. Yeah, I completely agree. I, th- I think he did a pretty good job, all things considered, this weekend. I think, like you said, Anonymous was exactly what Ferrari wanted. They didn't get it with one car. They definitely got it with the other He had the measure of Lewis Hamilton, who was putting the pressure on him towards the end and then backed out to try and get the fastest lap, which he managed. But they most importantly, they bagged themselves a decent haul of points over the whole weekend with fourth and fifth in the sprint and then third in the race to really try to close in on Aston for for third place, where Ferrari have to finish third, I think, at the very, very least, to salvage any sort of a season for themselves. Moving on then to the Mercedes's. Lewis Hamilton finished fourth and he bagged himself the fastest lap with a a lap at the end on mediums, which I thought was a bit odd, but he did the job. He got the point and George Russell came home sixth. That was in the main race. And in the sprint, they were seventh and eighth, which wasn't as impressive. But again, decent haul of points for the team as they try to solidify second place. Coops, what did you make of the Black Arrows this weekend? It was decent, you know, consistent, solid. Certainly not where they should be, but then... I mean, nobody can really bite the Red Bulls. So, you know, it's better than where they were. They're getting closer to the front. Uh, I think George Russell needs to kind of stop whining a wee bit. The more I hear him talk, the more I'm just like, oh, gonna shut up. <laughs> uh, I think there was an everything F1 quote put up that he said, and pretty much just about everybody that reacted to that quote. I need to see if I can find it on Facebook. And they all said the same thing. They're just like, every time he opens his mouth, they just want to hit him. He's getting a bit whiny. But mm. uh, yeah, I mean they're doing what they're doing the best they can with what they've got. 
And I, I do think that they expected to be closer with the upgrades the front. Uh, so the interestingly, what, what I do find interesting with regards to Mercedes is how things are so quiet with regards to the extension for Hamilton. It was all very much, yeah, they're just about to sign it, they're about to mm. sign it, now nothing. Now we're going into the summer break and you're like, of course, I'll be saying all this and putting speculation out there and then it'll be an announcement tomorrow that you signed. So, you know, that'll be the way no, it is. But... That, that won't happen because I didn't say it. If I just said it, it would definitely happen. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit, it's a strange one, I think. I, I think there's a wee bit of stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm. And yeah, it's speculation for me. But the quote that George said that everyone reacted to, he said, this Formula One would be so exciting if Max and Red Bull were here at the moment. Let's just forget about the rest of the hybrid era when Mercedes were winning everything. Yeah. Uh, let's not talk about that. I'd give George a benefit of the doubt in that he wasn't involved in all of that domination. It would be he, even less believable. He did. It would be even maybe more of a head-wrecking comment had Lewis said it. And he sort of has before. You know, he, he complains about domination when it's not him. He did in the Red Bull days and he has since. But yeah, I, he's right. George is absolutely right. But at the same time, it's not Red Bull's fault that the rest aren't anywhere near the same level as them. They did a better yeah. job. It's the way Formula One goes. And I know we all get a bit bored with domination, but the one thing I'd never say is, oh, Red Bull, they're so bad for the sport. No, they're not. They did the better job. They have the better driver. But what people need to remember as well, and you see that a lot more with the new gener- generation of Formula One fans, Formula One has always been a period of domination mm-hmm. throughout its whole history back in the 50s it was Alfa Romeo and Fangio that won it then it was you know Ferrari had a wee dip at it you, um, oh, Mercedes McLaren. before they went away then you had McLaren you had your Red Bull previously You mm-hmm. so you know teams dominate the Schumacher years you know so it's just how Formula 1 works if you want it to, if you want it to be less dominating then you need to turn Formula 1 to spec series well that's it and they, they've They've done, I think, what they the most that they can without turning into specs with the cost cap and the limitations on aero work that they get and CFD work they can do throughout the year. I think they were good changes that have been that have already we've seen start to make a difference. Every single team has scored points, for example, this year, which is great. We had how many years where that absolutely had no chance of ever mm-hmm. happening. So that's definitely worked. And I think we're going to see it work even more. This is the first real year of those wind tunnel times playing a part. I think that's going to come into effect even more next year and the cost cap is coming down again. But you're right, be, beyond those measures, and I don't think they're going to get much more strict than that, May oh, they've announced that the engine will have parity. That's not going to make all that much difference either. It'll just make Renault a little bit faster before they break down. Well, um, interestingly, the reason that that's come up is because Red Bull powertrains, I think the rumour is they're going to be around 30 to 40 horsepower less in their testing. So Horner's come out again. See this engine parity thing? This might actually be a good idea from 2026. You're like, see if you were the fastest engine. I don't think you'd be saying that. Because that's what everyone's realised. You know, Renault or Alpine, everyone knows their power unit isn't as fast as the competitors. Never has been. Yeah. And then Red Bull are suddenly saying, I kind of agree with them. Mm. So now we're all going, so how slow is your power unit? So it might not be. (laughs) (laughs) So it might not be that they're going to be dominating for a long time because these new engine rides come out to about 26 and if they are mm. slightly behind the curve in power because they're designing that and for although they're coming in and it's a technical thing, it's Red Bull that's designing mm. this engine. Or the and that's a, very good, that's a very good point. We should remember that the current f- engine in that Red Bull that is insanely fast is not a Red Bull engine. It is it's Honda's Honda. engine yep. that they absolutely perfected before the homologation of the engines a couple of years ago. And you're right, by 2026, it will be all Red Bull designing their engine with no input from Honda whatsoever and essentially no input from Ford either. But uh, yeah, so that 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 I think is going to be a big talking point. I think in the second half of the season, we've already seen how much Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren now have, have started to close the gap and really use their extra wind tunnel time to really good effect so far this season. I think it's going to play a little bit more next, next half of the season as well. Moving on then to McLaren, well, really not the weekend anyone was expecting. I believe I said even myself a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that Belgium and Monza should suit them really damn well after Silverstone. What I, I know they set it up for high downforce. Should they have? Should they have, you know, just trusted in the ability of the car, wet or dry, and shaved off a little bit more wing? Or is that just the only working window that could get the car in? I mean, 
I just think they they gambled for bad weather and it didn't pay off in in the race. Obviously, mm. in in sprint and I think in both qualifyings there was rain. So in those three sessions, they mm. did perform well. Obviously, Oscar with the with the podium, and then in the race, Oscar had bad luck as we saw, and Norris to us he he did finish P seven, which comfortably, yeah. Which as I was watching the race, I thought he was going to have a like a, um, a Bahrain situation. He he kept pitting mm-hmm. and pitting. And I was like, surely he's just going to end up, you know, towards the bottom. But he did, you know, recover quite well. P7, but yeah, they, they gambled and they got the weather they didn't want. And they were just waiting for the rain the whole race. And it mm. was looking at coming. I think it, it was a like halfway through the race. There was it, spots of rain. It did come spitting, and I think that's where Lando really solidified his P7 is that his his soft tires worked in that slight bit of damp because it was the middle sector that was getting a bit damp, especially coming into Puan. And how many times have we seen him go around the outside around those sections? Because the car was starting to work when the ground was getting cold and slippy. Yeah, so cl- clearly that is what they were hoping for. And I think if it did rain like properly to like, everyone swap tires, it could easily have been you know, where, where Lewis and Alonso were P4, P5. Mm. But the rain didn't come as they wanted to. And he'll take a P7. I think he'll he'll be happy with a P7 based on how his car was performing and the issues he was having. Yeah, I agree. And just to get any points on the board, just to continue kind of ticking that over, trying to stay ahead of Alpine, I think that that that's as good a result as they could have got. I think you're right. Had they swapped tires, had the rain come enough to, for the tire change, different story entirely. Put a fiver on Lando for a podium because we saw even with soft tires in the slip, he was a, it's like he pitted for a different car. He was so much quicker with a tiny spit of rain. Bit of a shame. Do you think they'll go a bit better at Zandvoort? Much more similar in characteristics to Hungary where they were extremely fast? Well, based on all the stats, as, as you just said, it should be better, but you know, F1's full of these, these, these stats and and whatnot. But it's the driving that that gets you points. Mm. So if they drive well, and if they perform as they did in Budapest, they should comfortably get one more podium. If not, and I hope they do get a double podium. Mm. Yeah, I hope so too. I think one thing they will take away as a team really positively was Lando's final stint on those soft tires. Really, kind of for better or worse, confirms that the car is good on its tire, is maybe too harsh on its tires in hot conditions, but obviously it was raining. It was pretty much freezing cold by Formula One condi- Formula One standards. So he was able to not fire up the mediums and the hards, which is why he pitted off them after 11 laps, which was pathetic. So we just couldn't get any heat into them, which was obviously bad. But on the flip side of that, he made the softs go a really long distance without having to slow down all that much. He was still able to hold off Esteban Ocon's charge towards the end. That, I think, might benefit them in Zandvoort, which won't necessarily be scalding hot. It gives them a little bit more time now that they know that that's really a characteristic of the car to plan for the future races, which are going to be extremely hot. Singapore, America, Brazil, Qatar is going to be extremely hot. Do you think that's maybe on their mind to work on after the shutdown of, okay, we need to figure out how to fire up the tires a bit better in different conditions? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, with with Norris and this P7, if we look back to Bahrain and the early races, they would have loved a P7 because that McLaren was not good at the early start of this season. Mm. And clearly the work has paid off. So, you know, the the technicians who are working behind the scenes are clearly working on the right things. So I think warming up on tyres, if they do it as they've done with everything else, it should benefit them a lot. And they should, towards the end of the season, become constant podium contenders mm-hmm. yeah i agree i think of everything they've kind of closed the gap on aerodynamic pace tires theoretically should not be that difficult although i'm sure Haas would disagree with that moving on then to aston martin and a bit of a better weekend for them shanna they've had by their own admission a dip in form mike rack has come out and said that a direction they went with i believe it was the front wing they were quite, quite slow to realize that it actually negatively affected the performance of the car and the balance of the car. And they've kind of got on top of that and corrected that. In the sprint, then they finished nowhere. Fernando Alonso had an accident in the sprint and Stroll was 11. So not a great sprint, but the points really are in the race. Fernando was a pretty comfortable fifth. 
and uh, and Lance came home ninth. So a pretty decent recovery, all things considered, to go into the summer break with a haul of points, outscoring McLaren, who were getting a charge on them. What do you make of, of Aston's, I suppose, first half of the season, really? Because it's been a tale of two halves of the first half, really, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the race itself, they did get a good chunk of points. However, you know, both of their drivers had moments. They both went off. Stroll had the big hit and then Fernando didn't finish a race. Obviously, he called it back. He got a fifth as well. It's still just the fact that Stroll is very much letting down the team. I mean, Mm. if Alonso's fifth, Stroll is ninth. I mean, it's not the biggest gap, but when Alonso isn't on the grid, Stroll didn't get points. And for that car, which was doing actually quite all right this weekend, you'd hope to get some points from at least one of your drivers if the other one isn't able to get there. And I know we've touched on it before, but it is it is a little bit of a letdown, especially if you're Alonso and you're, you know, you want your team to do well too. And they seem to get along quite well. And he's very much playing the team game by the looks of it. His teammate's not really pulling his weight all the time. Mm. And then again, Aston, yeah, I've had a very much up and down season, times where people thought they were the second best car on the grid. But then as soon as that was said, the next week, they were nowhere, no one, or at least nowhere near where everyone thought they would be. So, I mean, it's looking good if they've found what it is that they've gone the wrong way, they hopefully will go the right way. It just depends on what the rest of the teams are able to do too, because now McLaren's up there, they've figured it out too. Mm. So while Aston went backwards, McLaren went forwards and you can show it, it, they might be the ones to come up and, you know, fight around with them. And Mercedes are up there too. They've figured something out. So we'll see what the break comes with and what the race comes back. They, Aston really should be doing well. Mm. Like I said, they, they had already done well. They figured something out. They need to be able to carry that. And I feel bad for Alonso. Basically, I feel anyway, he's carrying the team by himself. So we'll see what happens after the break. If they've figured out what it is, well, we'll tell when the first race comes along. Yeah, we, we've touched on that a fair bit this year, this season actually already is the Alonso factor of that team and how much longer can Lawrence really hold off the shareholders when they say, will you put someone who can score points in the car now, please? Your son's had his time. I, you know, he scored points in the race, fair play to him, but you're right, you know, fifth to ninth doesn't seem like that much of a gap, but when you're fighting for a kind of a high end of 10 to 12 points a race, you know, if he'd have finished right behind Fernando, they'd have got 18 points. As it happens, they only got 12 points. That, in the amount of points they're looking at every weekend, is a huge difference. Like, that will come back and bite them, I think. And, you know, I'd be into... Silly season for me would be the silliest when Lawrence Stroll fires his son, but I don't think that's going to happen (laughs) this, this summer, unfortunately. I'm going to not bring it to Alpine just yet, because let's leave them for the end, because we just have so much to talk about them. Let's move it on to Alpha Tauri. And our boy Yuki got himself another point. He actually made it outside of 11th at last. He's got himself a point. They're up to three. It's made no difference. There's still six points behind Alfa Romeo. But Yuki had a damn good weekend, Coops. He? he did. He quietly got on with it. And got himself a, was it a point? Was it 10th? He got was it ninth? 10th. So he got himself another point. Yep. Done well. Uh, Especially after Ricardo coming in the week previous and actually outscoring them or out finishing them. I don't think he scored any points, but yeah, quietly just doing what he needs to do and getting on with it. It's all he can do. I mean, it's mm. clear that Alpha Tauri Red Bull are kind of, they don't really hold him in high regard, in all honesty. Uh, Since Honda pulled out, no, it's, it's yeah, they're not really over, yeah, a friend not of the first. top team. Yeah, so they're not overly fussed. He's certainly not going to be in, in chat for getting the big team. So, you know, Snowden's in that weird place where he's in Red Bull's junior team he's probably not going to get a seat in Red Bull's main team so he's just driving for his career for any other team or mm-hmm. somewhere to just keep going uh, so yeah it's all he can do in that car is make sure you get either close to Ricardo or beaten Mm. And, and speak, a point here there, so. And speaking of Ricardo, he finished tenth in the sprint, which obviously is not worth a point, unfortunately, because the points only go to eighth in the sprint. But what have you made of his comeback now that we've had two races on two very different tracks to have a look at him? Do you think he's settled in? Do you think he was an he's an upgrade on Nick DeVries, or do you think they maybe jumped the gun and it's not really going to get him back into Red Bull just yet? I mean. It- it wouldn't be much to be an upgrade for Nick DeFries the way that Nick DeFries was driving this season, to be fair. And I know that sounds hard, but Nick probably needed the full year. But when you realise that your boss is actually saying in public that, you know, Christian Horner didn't want him, and, I, you know, 
I wanted him. Now I'm actually realising that Christian's right, and you're sitting in the carriage going, "Did he just say that? Like mm. that's going to affect you." Yeah, for sure. He wasn't technically a rookie either. He was what he's twenty eight, you know. So anyway, so yeah, Ricardo, like regardless of the two years where he was in at McLaren, he's not forgotten how to drive. Mm-hmm. My concern when he was in McLaren was his Formula One just evolved past Ricardo, which can happen. You know, changing characteristics of the types of the generations of cars drivers can struggle to adjust to, and it looked like that was the issue for Ricardo with these new types of cars. You know, but he's 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 getting there. There is reports I was reading there about how he struggled to get the Alpha Tauri to bite, but then it's not a very good car anyway. So mm. he's in a good situation, and as long as he is, the only thing that he needs to do is beat Sonoda over the course of the rest of the season, and he can't just beat him by one or two points. He has to beat him because if Sonoda beats him, nobody's going to be interested in. Mm. But you know he's he's been solid enough for these two races. This is you know these are these race and a half two races where you can give him a bye. He's in. He's done all right from Zanvor on. This is where we need to see some sort of progress now. You know he's got he's been in. He's had a touch on it. That's your that's your time now. Let's see what you can actually do. Yeah, I think I think bringing him in at the time they did was I think actually the right time to do it. I think if they'd have. Let's let, let DeVries have these last two races and then ax him today, essentially, and then have all the hype around Danny for four weeks when there's nothing else to talk about. He arrives at Zanvoort and he does anything less than win the damn race. Everyone's mm. like, oh, waste, oh, he's, he's, he's lost it. He's, he's oh, blah, 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 he shouldn't have come back. They brought him in at the right time. They gave him two races where they realistically knew they were not going to do very well anyway. He came technically within scoring a point. He finished in a position which would have got him a point if it was a race, not a sprint, which is exactly halfway up the grid. And he's outqualified his teammate a couple of times, which is pretty good going. And now he has a wee, like, he hasn't put a foot wrong, I would say. He's done nothing to light the headlines up for the next four weeks going, oh, Danny Rick's washed, he's out of it. It's 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 gone. He can essentially slip into anonymity for four weeks and come back and have a have a weekend in Zamvort. So, yeah, I think I think he's been all right so far. It's good to have him back, at least, smiling, not the old, unhappy. The only, uh, the only ever so slight blip was he get caught for track limits. He did. 19... Yes, uh, but he, what he did though, he put a lap in which would have got him in the top half of the table. Yeah, it was the grid, sixth place or something uh, like it was that. Something like that. It was a really yeah. good lap. Uh, yeah, and so it was, that shows it was fractionally, uh, it's fractionally usual, over the line. Like it wasn't uh, enough over the line that he gained ten positions. It was maybe a, a millisecond worth of time he gained. It certainly wasn't ten positions worth. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was a damn good lap. So he, he can do it. It's mm. just the track limits, but which I've caught everybody at, at some point. Yeah. So, you know, it was the right decision. If you're not happy with the driver and you've lost faith in the driver and you've got a driver there who's won eight Grand Prix and you like him, you ain't waiting. Mm. <laughs> They're putting him in. So we'll see how yeah. the Zandvoort goes. I don't. Uh, I was going to say I don't think he's raced there, but he has because we've got a couple of years at Zandvoort now. Uh, third year at Zandvoort now, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be good to see now that he's in, he's bedded in, he's had that few weeks to chill out. Mm. I don't even think they're allowed to go in the simulator during this No, time. they're not, this but I'm, kinda... yeah, I'm sure you'd be playing the game at home just to refresh uh, his likely. memory of the track. Yeah, but... Yeah, it's good to have Danny back. Moving on then to Williams, and, well, I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed by Williams this weekend. They have the slipperiest car on the, on the whole grid, if you take the Red Bull out. They've done very well at high-speed tracks throughout the rest of the season, and... Alex Albon got some overtaking done, some really damn good overtakes around the outside of Blanchemont, and they have nothing to show for this weekend. Bit of a, a bit of a wet blanket of a weekend for Williams, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. They looked like they did a lot, but then they didn't actually do a lot. Mm. I think mean, in the race, Albon 14th and Logan 17th. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, nothing to show. Qualifying, they did quite well, as far as I can remember, in the actual qualifying. Can't remember too well. Sixteenth uh, and seventeenth, sixteenth okay. and eighteenth, Alex and Logan, and then the sprint shootout. They were tw- sprint shootout. They did pretty well. They were twelfth and thirteenth in the sprint. Yeah, but they one. didn't set, they didn't set times in SQ two. So, but you know, they Williams have clearly built a, a good car this this year. They've mm. they've got some really good solid points finishing positions from Alvon, and like you said, it is a slippy car. A Belgium long straights. Plenty of you know full throttle, and 
the car didn't really do much. And like you said, Albon did some amazing overtakes and it was mm. great racing to watch him, but it's great racing for no points. And at the end of the day, it is the points that count. Yeah. You know, if if you had an amazing race and finished P11, you, you've got as much points as the guy who finished 20th and had a terrible race. So even though the, the, the car is fast on those straights and the, the drivers, both Albon and Logan, are proving themselves to be, you know, certified F1 drivers. Mm-hmm. Logan, you know, still has some areas of improvements. It was a no-show for the points. Yeah, I think it's a huge, and you're right. It's 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 points that matter. I mean, eleventh is worth nothing. AlphaTauri are last on three points, even though if Yuki had got three more positions, they'd be probably ahead of Alfa Romeo. You know, that's all the difference it makes. It's insane. But they're tied on 11 points with Haas. They are ahead of Haas on that because Alex has better results than the two Haas drivers do. But again, like even one point with Haas, we get onto them, makes a huge, like one point would essentially secure seventh for them, which would be worth everything that James Vowles wants to do to make that a presentable garage and and factory in wherever they are can be earned by finishing seventh. Like it'd be worth so much money to them. You can get rid of the coffee stains on the on the table mm-hmm. at the front door. But they, they just they need to get a point. And I, I thought this weekend, Monza might be a bit better for them in a couple of weeks because there's no corners, really, that make any difference. They can make the car as slippery as humanly possible. And I think that might be a bit better for them. But again, I'm a, you know, I'm a jinx. I said that about McLaren and look what happened this weekend. But where do you reckon they'll see the rest of their season going after the break? I, I can't really tell you. I mean, it, it really shows you the two different spectrums of the Formula One world. You know, in the in the, in the top half, the teams are fighting for these twenty-five points, eighteen points. Yet Williams and Haas, like you said, it's that one point that counts. Mm-hmm. Finishing tenth can get you millions more in the final standings when the when the money gets delivered out. But yeah, Monza, like you said, is the perfect slippy car track. Perfect Zandor. Alex Albon DRS train track, I think. Yeah. Yeah, last year he did amazing. And so did Nick. Nick DeVries last year. Yeah, last year he did. Did, did his one really good performance. And so yeah, and, and I think Logan can get a point by the end of the season, especially in, in Monza. Maybe not so Zandvoort. I think maybe they'll they'll lack a bit more there as mm. the summer ends. Yeah, I think Zandvoort is going to be a really, really tricky race for them. So I will, I'm not going to be putting too much money on a, on a point for Logie Sarge, unfortunately. But yeah, I agree. I think he's grown into the into the season quite well. He is a rookie and he's an out-and-out rookie, unlike Nick DeVries. I think he's grown into it quite well. He, he's getting up there. He's not at the back at qualifying last all the time now. And you're right. I think if he can be on Alex's coattails in Monza, they could score a, a haul of points. It's going to secure seven for them. Moving on then to Haas. Shana, I'm going to lump you with this one. It would be quick and easy. Yeah. I don't even know where they qualified or finished. I'm not going to bother looking because I don't think they made any impact on that race at all. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a bother with qualifying because didn't they like not run? I swear for yeah, two uh, of them, they just didn't get any, didn't get out or didn't get a lap in with Hulkenberg for a session or two. It was just, I don't like, I don't understand how Haston go so well for maybe one or two races and they completely conk out. I mean, this season has just been bad. The rest and this one was just another not a not noteworthy weekend. Haas mm. are just not doing much. Oh, I do want to touch back on the Williams thing on the fact that it is just so great that these, I know we're talking bad about Williams and how they could have gone better this weekend, but it's the fact that we're talking bad about them finishing 12th and 14th. I'll tell you them, Alex, if we, were, mm. if we were doing this maybe like three years ago, this would have been an extreme highlight. For so sure. definitely bringing my Williams love into this, but like, they have definitely made such an improvement and I'm hoping that this is very much just on the upward trajectory. Unlike Haas, that I don't know what is going on with how it's not just their car. They are just making bad calls as well mm. as we saw. And we've, we saw heard the frustration with Nico on the radio. So yeah, I bad weekend. Yep. I completely agree. And I agree with you on, on Williams as well. It's great that we're now kind of giving out to them for not scoring points. And it's fantastic that they're back there. I think getting James Vowles in is one of the best things that team has done in decades. And I, I don't understate that. He's the best signing they've made in a long, long time. Coops, you wanted to, to say something on that one? Yeah, just to, just to touch on Haas. From what I've seen on Twitter, it looks like Hulkenberg's going to be extending his contract with Haas, or they're going to extend Hulkenberg's contract. 
after Magnuson. that weekend. Well, he's out. He's out racing Magnuson. Magnuson is on the bubble because this is his last year. Yeah. Gunter Steiner wants them to be closer to Hulkenberg and Hulkenberg's racing them off the track, basically, in terms of their metric. So uh, there could be some driver changes here. Who has to bring in? Don't really know. But yeah, that's what it seems to be. It looks like from what I've seen read on Twitter and what I've heard, it's Hulkenberg's going to get extended. Magnuson, they are under wavering on. Mm, That is interesting. I mean, Magnuson, relatively speaking, had an okay weekend. He started 16th, he finished 15th in the race. Hulkenberg started in the pit lane and finished last. But uh, that that's it. I personally hope Kevin Magnuson stays in Formula One. I really, really like him. I would love to see him in a better car. I'd love to see him in like an Aston or something like that going up with Fernando. I think he'd make a big impact on that team. I think he'd be a big step up over Stroll in terms of being right on Fernando's tails all the time. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Will he get an Audi drive? Also, probably not. But yeah, hopefully we're not about to say goodbye to him again. Now we will have some fun and move on to Alpine. And I'm just going to just get my bit out of the way first. I am so glad that Otmar Zafnauer is gone. I am just shocked it's taken him this long. I'm in the middle middle of writing an article for our website on his history in Formula One. And even reading into parts of it that I didn't know, there is a very noticeable trend of even if it's not always 100% his fault, every team he's gone to has shit bed and just fallen apart, all of them. BAR, Honda, Force India, Racing Point. He was kicked out of Aston and then Aston turned it up. He gets kicked out of Alpine and immediately Pierre Gasly is on the podium. There has to be a common denominator there and he's an arrogant so-and-so. So I, I, Alan Permain, though, is a huge, huge loss and that's a huge mistake, I think. I think that's a really weird one. I'm, I've no doubt he'll... Audi are probably licking their lips thinking, oh, yeah, we'll have him, please. Thank you very much. He, he'll be great alongside Andreas, Sella, Andreas Seidel. But uh, yeah, Coops, have at it. <laughs> okay, here we go. So while I was watching this, normally because I had to watch the race late and I normally just watched the race, but I actually stopped to watch them talk about Alpine and the build-up and I rebound it and watched it again. So in the last 18 months, Alpine have Marcin Budowski's left, Alan Prost's left, on my stop. Staff now joined. Oscar Piastri leaves. Fernando Alonso leaves. Lauren Rossi changes role to special project. I think he's still locked in the cupboard somewhere. Otmar <laughs> Snafsner leaves. Alan Permain leaves. And also what we didn't notice is Pat Fry has chosen to join uh, Williams. Williams, yes, which is another great sign, which another great signing from Williams. Yes. So fair play to them for that. That's a that's a shitload of people in 18 months. It's they're in complete and utter meltdown. Now who in their right mind looks at Alpine and they go, lads, do you want your team, team principal? Looks at that and thinks, ah, it's a good idea. When you see the amount of folk leaving and you see what's going on, like, and what makes it even worse is it was only a few weeks ago that you had the investment from the Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, and, yeah. You know, his, his other one, his other... Rob McElhaney. and it was Michael B. Jordan that's mm. he's also involved in it. Huge Which values... Yeah, which involves the team at all just under a billion dollars. It's like eight hundred million or something, with the way the amount of money they've invested and how much it's cost. Uh, to then go from that, which is a big whoa, to, you know, Deadpool on the grid, this will be great. To how are they running the team? You've got one person as an engine man who's controlling that part of the team, this part of the team, that part of the team. Like what? Like what are they doing? What are they hoping to do? Now, I'm with you, Sean. I think Otmar should have left a long time ago. I don't mm. understand what the personation was when they brought him in and they were like, Lauren Ross, he's like, he's this best man since light spread. And then he comes out and said they need to get their finger out their ass. So it'd be you hired the and guy. Has, like, and has done nothing but complain about him since about the day after he hired him. <laughs> the day he hired him, he said he was brilliant. He's brilliant. He's great. I love the guy. He's the best team principal on the grid. And everyone's gone, who, him? Really? Oh, good for you. And then... Not Total like Wolves, not Christian Horner, not Zach Brown, yeah. not Fred Vasseur. Total Wolves, you forgot about Nine other, I'd even book Gunter Steiner ahead of him because he's funny. I, I I don't rate Gunter Steiner as a team principal either. Neither do I, I just rate him as uh, comic relief. Otmar yeah. Zafnauer doesn't even have that. <laughs> yeah. The title but, of this uh, episode will be Coops and Sean rant about Otmar Zafnauer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Otmar out, Sean and Coops smile. Uh, it was... Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Mm. I, I don't understand the logic in it. As you say, Alan Permain, 
34 years. And the, yeah. 34 and I years. It was Christian Horner that came out and went, I think Christian Horner came out, or one of the other team principals or somebody on the other team went, he's a great, talented man. He'll be back on the grid at some point shortly. In other words, be. basically saying, Alpine, you made a mistake there. Yeah, and I, I was mean, watching Adam, the races. Adam, one of the races videos over the weekend and they said exactly the same thing. You know, Alpers Afnauer might struggle to get a job, hopefully. But Alan Permain will literally, <laughs> all he has to do is just knock on someone's door. Hi, can I have a job? Yeah, of course you can. They don't need to knock on a door. He's been yeah. getting phone calls the minute that was announced. Right, when's your gardener leave up? Right, let's have a chat. Yeah. You know, he'll go somewhere. And the thing about Alan Permain, now, I didn't know what he did as a job just because, you know, everything else going on. But I knew the name. The minute mm, yeah, I heard that name, I went, oh, I know him. Uh, that, like, the fact that yeah, I didn't actually know what he did, but I knew who he was. It's a reputation that preceded him. It's a bit like Adrian Newey. You know, you know the name. You might not be completely involved in Formula One, but you hear mm-hmm. Adrian Newey. You know, oh, that's that guy that does that rocket ship, the Red Bull drive. You yeah. know, you just know him. Like, so I don't know where, where the politics are. You know, it's a French-run team. They're a bit like the Italians in sense of the way the politics maybe run the team. And we've seen it in the history with Renault. You know, they kind of implode and then take their ball and storm out uh, and leave back. it. And then they come back a few years later. The difference is with this with this iteration of Formula One, it's far more profitable to stay in it, even if you're imploding. Mm-hmm. Because the value of each team, and that's why we've got all these issues around the entry for the new teams and how much money it's going to cost them and the fact the teams don't want to because the teams are actually even I mean Gene Haas even having his team last is more profitable having the team the way it is with the budget cap than not having the team that's why he never sold it to Andretti so there's less chance of them leaving but they're going to slowly become a laughing stock they already well, have in my eyes but I don't want them to leave. I mean, I, I I have a great love historically of Renault. Like I'm a huge Fernando Alonso fan. Them coming in and absolutely demolishing Ferrari was what really got me into as a super Formula One fan. But yeah, it is. It's hard to watch. Shanna, what do you make of the fun at Alpine this weekend? Bearing in mind their drivers on track had a brilliant weekend, all things considered. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever been as happy as when I got that notification until I saw <laughs> the Alpine through P2, and then I was like, oh, that makes it better. That just it does make it better, yeah. <laughs> just the cherry uh, on top of Alpine's yeah, weekend. No, I, I, I hate that, man. Mine is purely <laughs> from the Oscar Piastri standpoint of how he managed to change and switch that situation. I just went, oh, my God. Just, like, duct tape. Someone needed mm-hmm. to duct tape his mouth at one point mm-hmm. and just hold him there. I will say I, I've never really been too much delved into, like, team principles, so I've had that hatred purely personally based on Oscar, but hearing you guys with all this stuff makes me, oh, okay, it's valid. I'm just going to use those, those points now as well. <laughs> but I will say back at Aston, I before he, any of that stuff had really happened with Oscar, I kind of felt a little bit bad for him at Aston because it felt like he, the whole situation there, it was Lawrence's role that was like ruining everything. And I was having to deal with this rich owner who is ruining everything he wants and wanting this that that and all the other and making the team bad however the moment he left the team has done really well and he's managed to stuff up Alpine so it's just gone okay yeah Pro- Lawrence was possibly still an issue but I I'm stunned to think it wasn't really him was it it Otmar must have been a big factor in that so I say good ruins as well I'm very happy about it I I don't need to see him back he can very much go on his way I when I saw that he had left before the race even started went good there we go but yeah so. I didn't even know that yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah they were it was announced on Friday just before mm-hmm. qualifying so himself himself and Premain just had to sit there pretending to work it was really awkward. It was hilarious, but it was really awkward. And the camera made a point of picking him out a lot this weekend. Was dead. Fantastic. Shadow, what do you think is going to happen to them throughout the rest of the season now? It's weird because Alpine have already, they're already in that spot where they kind of, you expected them to do better than they have anyway. Mm. So they, they've kind of already dropped what was going to be a really good season at least that's what I thought it would be I know we've had a couple of races where they have pretty much been anonymous and they've kind of got close but then haven't and I just like personally I didn't understand what was happening with Alpine like were they doing good because they had a couple of good results but then they had a couple of not so good results Mm -hmm. so while this could be like a really confusing thing and it could be really bad for whatever happens I mean they aren't doing too much now anyway obviously they've had this really good weekend and he wasn't there so maybe that just means it's going to get better 
I do think, I mean, team principles obviously play a big role. Is Otmar really going to affect what's already been put in place? We're halfway through a season. Is it really going to make anything worse? I don't really think so. Could it make things better? I think there is a chance it could make things better. Not a huge amount, but no, I, I kind of, I'm slightly optimistic for the rest of the season, but also I don't think it's going to be too much of a big deal. Mm. Will, what about you on on this one as well? So we, we can all kind of have our peace. Are you on kind of our side of good riddance, Otmar, or do you want to come in and give a chance to defend him? I'm, I'm trying to just be, you know, diplomatic here, but by all means, you know, have uh, your say. I will agree with each and every one of you. There we go. Sorry, but, Otmar, I tried. I just don't get the timing of when they did it. Mm. I mean, as you said, on Friday, the big news came out. But save it for two days later, yeah. and it's the, it's the summer break. And I think the one thing that Alpine wouldn't have wanted to face was the media. And they almost just like shot themselves in the foot. You know, first day of the Grand Prix weekend, they go, here's our biggest news story. And now the the media, you know, they're like, they're like vultures. Mm. They'll just pick it out, ask you all these, you know, questions, leading questions. And it's similar to Nick DeVries, where... If they just waited for the summer break, I know Daniel might not have, you know, the the adequate time to get suited to the car, but it seems that I thought this break was for those changes. You know, it's it's your chance to maybe revamp the team where it needs to be changed, improve areas like taking out Otmar. But it's it's an awkward timing that of of why they did it, and then quite often during the weekend they just didn't answer to the cameras. Mm. But I mean, you kind of just done it to yourself, you know. Yeah, they have. So, like you said, they shot themselves in the foot on it. Yeah, it was just really awkward and confusing timing. But they 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 do this a lot, and I mean, ever since they came back into the sport full time in what was it, 2016? How many times have they said in five years we'll win the championship? We have a hundred race plan. We have a three year plan. We have a seven minute plan. They haven't a notion what they're doing, have they? Like Cyril the Beatbull has even come out and criticized the hundred race plan. I'm sorry, mate. The five year plan was yours to be in with back in the day. So I don't think it's it's a bit rough to, to come and shit on them now. But like, why do they keep coming out and saying like the, whoever the new the new principal is in what September will probably come out and say, Yeah, we've a new five year plan to get back to the top. They, again, it, they're shooting themselves in the foot saying things like that, I think. Sounds great to the sponsors, to the partnerships, to any you know, rookie drivers that are looking to get into F1, it sounds great to where the money's going to come in. And then you have to make it realistic, which is where they've been lacking. Maybe if they keep attracting people who know nothing about the sport, with all respect to the world to Ryan Reynolds, he's not a Formula One fan. He might be, he has become a football fan, in fairness to him. He seems very involved at Wrexham, so he'd probably become a Formula One fan, but he definitely wasn't when he invested in the team. And, you know, yeah, maybe if they keep, you know, if they hire drivers who have never watched Formula One and who maybe have less good managers and lawyers than Oscar Piastri did. But yeah, I have I can't wait to see what their next big plan is. Coops, one final point then on, on Alpine before we, we, you know, let them go off and bury their heads in the sand. Just a couple of things. I think Aston Martin was a victim of Lawrence Stroll wanting his own man in. And it was kind of like, you're kind of stuck here because... I really don't want you, but you're here anyway, so I'll use you till I find who I need. Mike Crack is uh, definitely more a toe-the-line sort of guy, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, he's also probably slightly a victim of the Laurent Rossi thing, so the higher-ups decide to move Laurent Rossi, and Snap now was Laurent Rossi's man. Mm. So it's kind of like, we need to clean house. The Alan Pameen one, I still don't understand. No, the bit, the, I never liked him like you, Sean. I just couldn't take to him. I've just quickly reading back in the history. He was at BAR. It lasted five minutes. He caused all sorts of issues. He was working with Honda, caused all sorts of issues. And we'll discuss the rest. But what was the biggest trigger for me was when the, the Oscar Piastri thing was happening. McLaren must stayed really quiet because they knew their contract's fine. He was shouting about it. And I think he made a comment about Oscar Piastri needs to find some honour or some sort of thing yeah, about his character. And I was listening to the to, team that, that, yeah. that paid for his career, yeah. I was out the back. I, I remember this because I had I was listening to a podcast was doing a bit of gardening, cutting the grass, and I actually had to stop and go, oh, wait a minute. Like, come on. You're telling him, you, you put a statement out saying he's driving when he was like, no, I'm not. Then you've got the cheek to talk about honour to him. Mm-hmm. Like, Keep it in-house, mate. You know, have that conversation behind the closed doors. Interestingly, as the final note, 
Matia Bonotto is not out of the question as the new team principal of Alpine, apparently, is the rumour. <laughs> yeah. An upgrade on Snap now going by Dylan Ferrari. Don't know. But he's an engineer. This guy's he's got the talent in him. But is he the type of person that you need to fix that ship? What they need, honestly, is Flavio Briatore to come back and tell the French people in France land trying to be trying to French the team to screw off, yeah. have a bit of Italian passion in it, better than Ferrari, and just do the job properly. But you're right, there's too much politics going on from Renault who don't give a damn about Formula One. And they don't, that's why they took the name off it. They don't care about the team. You're right now, as you're saying, like with Gene Hass and stuff like that, it's probably worth a fortune to them, whether they give a crap about it or not, which is, mm. I think, why they're just kind of just moving pieces on a, on a blackboard for fun. But like that, that's the, what they need is a big, larger than life character who will tell the higher ups in Paris to screw off and let him do his job. Ferrari need that as well. Is Fred Vasseur the man? Probably not. Toto Wolf is. Christian Horner absolutely is. Even if after Matichet's pass, you know, the, the board at Red Bull want A, B and C, Christian Horner and Helmut Marco will tell them to screw off, tell them what way to go because we know how to run the team. We've been successful at it. Let us do it. Alpine have not had that since Flavio Briatore. And is he going to come back to Formula 1? No, of course he's not. But they need someone like him. But I hope they get it soon because, like I said, I like the team. I think they have a really damn good driver lineup. And I think in all of this, signing Pierre Gasly this year was a good a good move for them after the after the Oscar fiasco. That was a good move. It was a good recovery for them. And I, I rate him and Ocon quite highly. I thought Ocon had a good, good weekend. And so did Gasly in third. He always does well at, at, at Spa. But... Yeah, it's it's just an like it's just another year where you think what is what are they doing? Like they're just so amateurish they come across as. But um, uh, yeah, I, it's, I, it's... I think we'll save another rant on Alpine for at the last week of the summer break when we have really nothing to talk about. And I want to finish this episode off with something a little bit different because it is the end of the first half of the season. We are going to do an episode over the next couple of weeks on our ranking of the teams for the first half of the season. We are in the middle of collecting all the data for that of the whole team. Everyone and everything F1 is getting involved. We are all ranking the teams from first to bet, first to last, first to 10th. We are going to apply the F1 scoring system to it. We've done this a couple of times in the past and we'll have that episode coming up very soon. But for right now, because you know there's 20 drivers, 21 drivers, it'll take too long. To finish off the season, because the first half of the season, because it technically ended this weekend, I want to get everyone's top three drivers, not including Max Verstappen, because there's no point, because we will all put him number one, whether we want to or not. And so we'll do the Formula 1.5 top three drivers of the season so far. I'll get mine out of the way. It's Lando, Alex and Fernando. I probably don't need to explain why if you've watched more than two races this season. Shanna, what are your three for the season, not including Max? Gotta be Alex, Piastri, and Fernando. All pretty self-explanatory, all right. Will, what would your top three of the season, not including Max, be? I'm going Oscar Piastri, Lewis Hamilton, and Nico Hulkenberg. That's Will's not been watching any Formula really? One. No, he really has. <laughs> <laughs> he just came in today. Watched the five-minute highlights. <laughs> have you only been watching replays of like Brazil 2010? Look, this this weekend was not, or last weekend was not a good representation. But if there is a Haas in Q three, it is always him. You know, it like every now and then, it'll always find his way into Q three, and he puts in a valiant effort. And I did some research; his average grid position is eighth. Really? Which for a yeah for a Haas, well it's eight point four two, whatever that means. Yeah, that's but for a Haas. It's it's really good. Obviously, in in the in in the race, his average finish position is fourteenth, not the best, but qualifying is one of the top ones in the bad cars. Okay, yeah, I'm, fair play. You've definitely done your homework on that one. That is very impressive. I'm very well done, Nico Hulkenberg. That's that's very impressive in a Haas that is a dog. Coops, what are your three for the season then? Oh, it's Piastri, Alex Albon, and Fernando Alonso. Yeah, so we're all very much in agreement then that I think on average, Alex Albon is the driver of the season so far then if we were going to toss it all up because we all said Alex. So well done, Alex. And as we said, if we could, if we can get the car just a little bit slippier, a little bit further up, then, you know, he'll comfortably, he's two points ahead of Nico Hulkenberg at the moment, I believe. 
Yes, he is in 13th. I don't think Gasly is catchable in 12th, 11 points ahead of him. But I think if Alex can, you know, cling on to, to 13th, that, that'd be a good season. I think he's doing a damn good job. He's very much kind of taking over that role of George Russell of, oh, that car, yeah, that, I'll wring the neck out of that. I'll get absolutely everything out of that and earn myself a top seat. And I'm going to put this out there. Pay attention to him as a replacement for Lance Stroll, potentially next season. Mercedes connection, you know, with the engines. He definitely doesn't want to go back to Red Bull, whether they'd have him or not. He's done well to get out of them. I think that is a drive he could very well earn himself after this season. But I think we will leave it at that. Thank you all very, very much for joining me. Thank you, Coops. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shanna. We're good. And thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much. And thank you all, as always, for listening. And if you've been watching on Facebook, thank you very much. Don't forget, let us know in the comments of wherever you are listening or send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Who are your top three drivers of the season so far, not including Max Verstappen? Because realistically, if we're going to count Max, he'd just be first, second and third, wouldn't he? So it's a little bit unfair. So we'll take him out of this one. Let us know wherever, message us on social media, let us know. You can find us on all socials, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X. We're at JoinEF1. You can also check out our website, as I mentioned, everythingf1.com for daily news and articles, which we will continue to have throughout the summer break, even if there is no real silly season. We do have a lot of opinion pieces coming up as we all share our thoughts on the first half of the season. And... Any breaking news that there is happening over the silly season of the break, we will, of course, have it there and we will continue to have the podcast every week. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, theraceworks.com, to get all of your Formula One merch for your favorite teams and drivers and use code EF1 at checkout for 10% off everything site-wide. Again, we will leave a link to that in the show notes below. Thank you very much for watching. Enjoy the Formula One break, the summer break, and we will see you next week. Bye now. Bye.